Gospel Message is brought to you by the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Amen. Let's put those hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. What an awesome privilege to be here today uh, to stand in my father's shoes which to me right now I, I might be larger physically but uh, I'm feeling very intimidated right now just standing here um, I sincerely want to appreciate um, our spiritual parents now, I, I always say this to people when, whenever I say it, and I say it unashamedly, I always say that um, pastor is my spiritual father. And whenever people say that, people, whenever people hear that, they say, but you were never, you weren't sent from fountain of love, you were in Jesus' house. I tell them, so what's wrong with having two fathers? Um, I say, however, my, my relationship with pastor is... There is just a connection in that I think the way pastor thinks. Uh, more often than not, we see things eye to eye. And um, my model of ministry, I have received from him. And I remembered years ago when I was wondering about this thing of being a full-time minister... I came to meet him then. I believe that was in 2009. And everything that pastor told me then would happen if I did my work well has happened. So please help me appreciate my father in the Lord, an incredible man of God, Pastor Chris Benley. And I always say this, um, my, my, there's no one that my wife and myself will love more than mom. Uh, she's the epitome of simplicity, elegance, and class in a godly, spiritual, virtuous um, um, body. Mom, we love you. Thank you so much for this privilege. And I want to celebrate all the pastors, all my friends in the house. Pastor Ruben, thank you for being you. My dear brother Tunde, brother George, everyone, Pastor uh, Dickin David. Uh, who's somewhere up there and this incredible choir please help me appreciate the choir I said I said to Pastor Ruben when they finished their praise and worship I said you, you're so used to good things that for you now it is common I said sometime some you need to come out you know you need to leave your, your comfort zone and just go to some of the churches when you come back in here and you hear this choir, you'll be rolling. The song that they sang this morning is one of my favorites. And they sounded exactly the way the CD sounded. So please help me celebrate them. Also, finally, there's an issue that I want the church to help me settle. It's between myself and Sister Imo. Uh, when I came for pastor's birthday, Sister Imo was angry with me. I begged her. She didn't accept. I sent 
my brother, brother Omashe, she didn't accept. Now, the Bible says that when someone has something against you, say you approach the person. After approaching the person, you take someone. Then if not, you bring it to the church. So, church, please help me beg Sister Eva. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Philippians chapter 2 from verse 19. It's always good to see a mighty man of valor in Femi, I know. It takes a mighty man to have twins. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2 from verse 19, the Bible says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your sake. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, and this is the key, that as a son with the Father, he had served me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it shall go with me. This morning I want to share briefly on what I call the good father. Father, thank you for today. You're the father of fathers. You're the God of gods. You're the Lord of lords. You're the king of kings. Everything that we are as men, you have given to us. Father, for some of us, it, we've activated a number of these things. For, some, for most of us, they still lie dormant. Lord, I'm praying that through your word this morning, that you will cause every dormant seed of greatness in fatherhood to be activated in this house in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask for utterance and the anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. Lord, that I will communicate with clarity and your children will receive it with simplicity. Thank you, Father, for you've answered. In Jesus' name we have prayed. I read a story not too long ago of a mighty man of God by the name of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a man that preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And his sermon was one of the sermons that led to one of the great revivals in the 18th century. Jonathan Edwards was a godly man. Uh, he was the husband of one wife. And he had 11 children. I thought I should clarify that he was the husband of one wife since he had 11 children. So all 11 children were given to him by one wife. 150 years after Jonathan Edwards died, in the year 1900, a certain historian decided to study the legacy and the family tree of Jonathan Edwards to find out how his generation were doing after he had died. Whilst they were searching for those of Jonathan Edwards, they were also looking at another man 
who was um, an antagonist of Jonathan Edwards, a man by the name of Max Jukes. Max Jukes was not a godly man. Max Jukes was a godless man. And Max Jukes was a person who antagonized Edwards in their lifetime. And so they they traced the family tree of both men to see what had become of their seed after them. And when they traced the family tree of Max Jukes, this was what they found out from Max Jukes' family. That from his descendants, 150 years after he died, Max Jukes had produced seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 paupers, and 440 who were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol. Of the 1,200 descendants of Jukes that were studied, 300 died prematurely. Max Jukes in his lifetime was also said to have been an absentee father. And so they decided also to check the family tree of Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards had produced one U.S. vice president one dean of law school, one dean of medical school, three United States senators. Remember, this is just 150 years. Three mayors, three governors, 13 college presidents. That's like uh, vice chancellors of universities. 30 judges, 60 medical doctors, 65 professors, 75 high-ranking military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, and 285 college graduates in several other disciplines. The difference between Max Jukes, a godless man, and Jonathan Edwards, a godly man. When we studied, when I studied this, I started to ask myself, what was the difference between Max Jukes and Jonathan Edwards? And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 10 verse 7, the Bible says that the memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. The Bible says the memory of the righteous is blessed. But the name of the wicked will rot. The Bible also says in Psalms 112 from verse 1. Psalms 112 from verse 1. He says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Who delights greatly in his commandments. Verse 2. He says, his descendants will be mighty on earth. Our descendants will be mighty in Jesus' name. He says, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Verse 3. He says, wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. The difference between Max Jukes and Jonathan Edwards was in what they passed on to their seed. 
The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6, it says, train a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I used to think that the train were those big, um, were those uh, big vehicles that we see at the train station that we sit in. But recently I discovered that the train is the little engine in front. And every other thing is a carriage. And so when the Bible says train a child, it is not about what you say, it is about what you model. As a matter of fact, I dare say this, that children do not do what we say, they do what they see. It is not what you tell a child that the child will do, it is what you show the child that the child will reproduce. And so, Jonathan Edwards was a man who trained his children to a godly lifestyle. According to history, whenever this man would get home, it was said that no matter how busy he was, that every evening he would spend at least an hour with his children surrounding him, and he would talk to them, he would find out what, how their day went, and he would share his spiritual understanding with them. Even though some of them did not understand it, yet the seed was being planted. After all, while Jesus was on earth and preaching, his disciples never seemed to get it. But the moment the Holy Spirit came, scripture started flying out of Peter. So it is not necessarily that they are comprehending, it is that the seed is being sown. And so, Jonathan Edwards would have conversation with his children and according to history, he would lay hands on them and he would pray on them and he would prophesy on them that they would be great, that they would be mighty. And he would call them into this, his study while he studied his books and his theological books and he would encourage them in their education and as his children started to have families, what they saw their father do was what they did. And so it became a culture in the family. It became a culture in the family. And so when we study this, it is very, it's of great importance for us to understand, especially as fathers and as parents, that what your children behold of you is what they will become in life. Talk is cheap. Actions are heavy. It is not just in what we say, but it is in what they see. That is what they will practice. Jesus himself said this to us in the book of John chapter 5 from verse 19. John chapter 5 from verse 19. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. That means that there are times that when you see your children manifesting bad behavior, you might as well ask yourself, did I do the same thing when I was his age? He says, the son cannot do anything 
of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Simply meaning that we are our children's first mirror of behavior. And so whatever behavior our children will manifest, they will see it and they will catch it from us. As a matter of fact, it's the same thing even in church. We model what we see our pastors do. So if a pastor is a prayerless pastor, he will have a prayerless church. If a pastor does not study, he will have a congregation that does not study. If a pastor has challenges in his home, he will simply reproduce it. Because there is something about what you behold is what you become. There is something about that. What you behold is what you become. Jesus doesn't only talk about this. Even in verse 20. Now listen to what he says in verse 20. He says, for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. So your expression of love to your children is by showing them what you are made of. It is not about what you give them materially. It is about what you give them in substance and in essence. Let just to give us on a lighter note. I have two daughters. One is seven. Her name is Tolu Animi. And the other is five, Oreolua. And right from when my younger daughter, Oreolua, was a baby, her high chair used to be opposite my chair on the dining table. And so, while she would be taking her serilac, and I'm eating my pounded yam, I was the one my daughter saw whilst eating. And so, as my daughter started to grow, she developed an affinity for pounded yam like her father. Because what they behold, they become. Now, last year, before she turned five, we went for an event. Now, remember, she's a four-year-old child, and um, <laughs> it was an event. It was someone's 40th birthday. And so the children were taken to a separate area to play, you know, games and everything. And you know, normally when they serve children at parties, they give them chicken nuggets, chips, you know, little things, sausages. And so they went in there and they were giving all the children finger food. And they go to this four-year-old girl and they said to her, what do you want? She said, I don't want this. They said, what do you want? She said, I want inyong. They said, you, you want what? I want inyong. Uh-uh. They looked at her. They said, no, no, no. This is a Glaswegian girl now. They said, no, no. She said, I want inyong. They said, what is that? She said, pounded yam. So, I saw them bringing out my daughter. My wife was a bit concerned that, ah, what, what, what did she do? My daughter was looking very distraught and upset. And they brought her to me and they said, eh, we wanted to serve her. And she didn't want any of the food that she said she wanted pounded yam. I said, yes, it's true. They said she wants pounded yam. I said, yes. So they put her on the table with her parents. Now note, there were other parents at this table. And they brought my daughter 
a bowl of egusi and eon. And they gave her a fork. And she said, no, I want to use my hands. At this point in time, my wife was no longer finding it funny. Because she was giving me, you know, she was looking at me. I didn't even understand why my wife was looking at me. And so, they take her to the toilet. She washes her hand. And my daughter sits there and finishes a bowl of pounded jam, I mean, of egusi and eon. Now, normally, when I eat at home, not in public, and I've enjoyed it, I stick up my fingers in front of my wife, and then I lick it, one, two, three, four, five, and I do that. My daughter embarrassed me in public. <laughs> she stuck up her hand. She did. And the whole table exploded. When we were driving back, I was still laughing. My wife didn't find it funny. I said, well, she said, I've told you. The way you eat is bad for this. (laughs) They are girls. Now, what am I saying? Children don't do what you tell them. They do what they see you do. So when Jesus said, I do nothing of myself, it's because it was what he saw his father do. Are you with me, church? So the essence, the question is this. Father, what do you want to reproduce in your child? Because your child will not pay attention to your voice except your voice aligned with your actions. No matter what... So now, I use fork and knife every now and then. Just to let her know. Because, I mean, she's a girl. When it's time for dowry, I don't want to say this girl that... (laughs) So... Look at what Jesus says. Let's go back. Verse 20. Okay. He says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. And listen, this was exactly what Jesus did with his disciples. Jesus modeled a Christ-like life. He wasn't telling them what to do. Haven't you always noticed that in the Bible, the Bible would say that Jesus went somewhere and he was praying and his disciples came to meet him. He would be somewhere else. The Bible says that and he would separate himself and his disciples came to meet him. And it kept on like this until one day they came to meet him and said, Master, teach us to pray. So Jesus didn't do what we do. He said, oh yeah, oh yeah, all of you come. Oh yeah, kneel down. Close your eyes. Because, you see, the essence is this. A prayerful father will reproduce prayerful children. You can't, we can't tell our children to do what we don't do. And so the disciples were like children of Christ. They followed him. He modeled it to them time and time. And after a while, it occurred to them that whenever this man prays, he produces this result. We want to have these results as well. We want, to, we, we, we want to be able to cast out demons. 
as well. We want to be able to bind, uh, we want to be able to heal the deaf, heal the lame, cause the blind to see, cause the lame to walk. So they came to ask him and said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Why? He modeled it. And he so modeled it that years after he died, in Acts chapter 6, the Bible says that when there was contention in the church, they said, appoint seven deacons to take care of this issue. We will give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Why? They saw their father do it. They saw their father do it. And so, the the question always is, whatever we want to reproduce in our children, we must make sure that we display for them to see as fathers. Every child gains validation from a father. Every daughter receives security from a father. No matter how much a, 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 a lady will quarrel with her dad, she will eventually marry a man, most likely, that resembles him. I've even noticed in the past that young ladies who have issues with their dad and refuse to marry their dad because they feel he was abusive, they eventually marry the same person because what is in you is what you will deliver. So, Part time, the question is this, what do we want to deliver? What do we want to pass on? The Bible says something that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. It is not only cars and houses and trips and education. There are certain fundamental things that as parents, as fathers, we must leave for our children. After all, like I said at the beginning, you are the train that your child follows. So, what are some of the things that Jonathan Edwards left for his children? The first thing, he left his faith. If you're going to leave anything for your children, you must leave your faith. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Or rather, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Oh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 5. Are you with me this morning? The Bible says, this was Paul speaking to Timothy. He said, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you. So, faith is a thing that follows genealogy. It is passed on. Now, I've heard people say this, that the things of the spirit cannot be taught. They are caught. However, faith, even though it is caught, it is caught through speaking. And so, faith is transferred from one generation to another by the things that are spoken. That is why God said to the children of Israel, he said that when you get into the promised land and you sit around your tables with your children, he said, place this commandment on your frontlet, place it over your doorposts. When you are eating, speak about them. Because when you talk about them, then your children will get them. 
Faith is not, it has to be caught. Listen, let me explain something to us. Whatever you want to see manifest in faith in your life, you have to say it. Jesus said something. He says, take no thought for your life, saying. So, for a, for a thought to be taken, it has to be said. He said, take no thought for your life, saying. For a thought to be caught, it has to be said. So, it is not the thought that is the problem. It is what you say that takes it. So, no matter the negative issue you hear, as long as you don't say it with your mouth, you haven't taken it. Can I think would say things like, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest on top of your head. So, when you transfer faith, you speak. You know, I always wonder that the Bible says that at the age of 17, God told Abraham to go and sacrifice Isaac. And the Bible says that they went to the top of the mountain. And while they were there, Abraham tied Isaac and was going to sacrifice him. But Isaac was 17. There is no way at the age of 17... My father will tie me and he'll bring out a knife and I'll stay there. He's an old man. He would have outrun his father. Even right now, my children, they can almost outrun me. You know, it's like I won't agree. When I'm chasing my children around the house and they run, I say, no, I won't agree. So I please. Abraham was a hundred and twenty something. Now, How was it that Isaac allowed himself to be laid as a sacrifice? The Bible says that between when they told the servants to remain with the asses and they got to the top of the mountain, it was three days. I believe that in those three days, Abraham had shared his faith with his son that his son too was willing to obey God. This is what I believe. So, the essence is that He left his faith. He left his faith. The second thing that he left, he didn't only leave his faith. The Bible, um, history also makes us to understand that he left his value system. Someone say value system. Your value system is what you find important. Your value system is what governs and what you prioritize your home around. He left his value system. You know, the Bible, there's a story in the Bible that I always find interesting. When God came to meet with Solomon and said to him, Solomon, I'm pleased with you. Whatever you ask me, I will give to you. And the Bible says that Solomon said to God, Lord, you have made me ruler of these people. I can't do anything, but give me wisdom. And God said, you didn't ask for Money, you didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for any of these things. And God said, I'll give you wisdom and I'll give you everything else. Most times we say that Solomon was a wise person. But the truth was that Solomon was raised to value wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom because David taught him to ask for wisdom. Why do I say so? Go to Proverbs chapter 4 from verse 3. 
Proverbs chapter 4 from verse 3. The Bible says, when I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, verse 4, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and leave, verse 5. He said, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. His father was the one who told him, if there is one thing for you to do, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. So when God came to him and said, what do you want? He only answered what he was taught to say. Let me say this. The Bible says that Solomon gave, and so he asked for wisdom. Your value system is what do you think your children believe you value the most? It is what will define them as they grow. You know, festival of life is coming, and I'm sure a lot of us are giving. Now, while you are giving, what is that thing that you are believing God for? Because if your value system is decided by your job, when your son grows, he will believe that his job is the most important thing in his life. If your value system is decided by something material, when a child grows, they will believe that it is defined by something material. Solomon asked for wisdom because David said that is what is important. Now, the issue is this. We bring children to church, but what do you display is important to them at home? What is important? And please, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself as well. Because anytime I think about this thing, I think about it that what will my child say is the most important thing to daddy? He left his value system. The third thing that he left, I'm going to move very quickly, is he left his relationships. He left his relationships. You're a father, you are leaving things and inheritance for your children's children. First thing, you leave your faith. Secondly, you leave your value system. Thirdly, you must leave your relationships. You know why? People are doors. When you pray for an open door, God sends you a person. Open doors present themselves in people. Because people always carry opportunity. And that is why when we value the relationships around us, our children themselves will value them. Look, in 1 Kings chapter 5, let's quickly go there. 1 Kings chapter 5 from verse 1. Let me just show us this thing simply in scripture. Listen to what the Bible says. Now, Hiram, king of Tars, sent his servants to Solomon because he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram had always loved David. And it was this same Hiram in verse 9 that helped Solomon build the temple. So, the relationship that Solomon could leverage on to fulfill God's purpose for his life was a relationship his father had fostered. People are doors. I dare say this, that I'm sure about the fact that there are certain favors. Dami is not here now. He's down south. But there are certain favors that Dami is enjoying because of what dad here has done. 
Even I myself have enjoyed favor because of that. You know when you go down south and they are asking you, oh, where are you from? Scotland. Say, oh, okay. Do you know Pastor? Do you know Pastor Billy? Oh, yes, he's my spiritual father. Oh, were you under him? What's your business? Yes, I was. <laughs> Just give me what I need. And... Let me go. Why? Because of relationship. Of relationship. The fourth thing that he left, he left his reputation. Pro Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1. The Bible says a good name is better than silver. If people are doors, your reputation is the key to opening them. If people are doors, your reputation is the key to opening them. He says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Love and favor rather than silver and gold. A good name. A good name. A good name opens doors. A bad name seals them. Now my question is this. What name are we living for our children to inherit? The last one, the fifth one that he left. He left his education. He left his education. Listen, let me put it like this. Another word for education is exposure. Education is not just school. Education is every learning that you've exposed yourself to that has come to define you. Education is exposure. Jesus said this to his disciples. John chapter 15, verse 15. John chapter 15, verse 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. So, the same thing Jesus was exposed to, he exposed his children to it. You know, I heard of that at Azusa, and honestly speaking, one of the reasons, if you come to our parish, City of God, we allow children to play around. Why? Because we just want to expose them to the presence of God. And it's beautiful like this, this morning. Why? They said in Azusa, that the glory cloud, the children used to steal the glory cloud, put it in their pockets, and when they would get home, they would bring it out. The glory cloud that everybody was revering, the children were running through it. They were playing hide and seek with the glory cloud. Why? Because of that, they became used to the presence of God. They became comfortable in the presence of God. They were exposed to the presence of God. And you can't be exposed to God's presence and you will not go from strength to strength. And those children from that revival became mighty people in the US. In other facets. Just like Jonathan Edwards' children. Why? They were exposed to it. Brethren, we've got to expose our children. God said to Moses in Numbers chapter 27... God said to Moses, no, Moses said to God, God, you have told me I'm not going to cross over into the promised land. He said, what will I do now? 
Who will lead the people? God said, take Joshua, for in him is the spirit. How did Joshua develop the spirit? Because remember, Joshua was David, was Moses' servant. He was not even one of the elders. How did he develop the spirit? Quickly, Exodus chapter 33 from verse 7. He, he developed it by exposure. You never know what children expose when you expose them to what defines you. He says, now Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Verse 8, very quickly. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. They didn't follow him. They said it is a sacred place. It's a sacred place. Listen, church is a sacred place. But particularly in this environment, most people in this environment, they have defined God wrongly as a stiff, wicked God who is in heaven with a whip who is really willing to punish. So when you preach hell to them, they already know they are going to hell. It doesn't freak them. But when you have people who say that we have a God who is love and I go to church and in his presence I have liberty. Depression leaves me. Anxiety leaves me. They are interested to listen. He says, so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door, watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Final verse 9. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud descended, stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Verse 10. I'm going to 11. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people worshipped each man in his tent door. And finally 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to camp. But his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So, while Joshua was serving Moses and just standing there, God was depositing the spirit in him. And when it was time for God to choose someone, he didn't choose from the college of bishops. He said, that one that knows my presence, that's the person that I want. Now my question is this, what are we exposing our children to? We're in the United Kingdom, fine. But do you know that on a daily basis, our children are being exposed to all kinds of things? I went once to my daughter's school and um, she, her nursery then. And one of our friends, her friend said, her friend doesn't have a mommy and a daddy. Her friend has two daddies. So, but I had to tell her, in church, do you see two daddies? No. It is always a mommy and a daddy. That is the correct thing. Why? It's just about exposure. Do we expose them to our tapes? My children might not understand what people are preaching, but they can tell who's preaching in the car. They'll say, okay, daddy, that's T.D. Jakes. Okay, that's daddy Gio. Okay, that's... They, they can just... And when there's a new person, they'll say, who's this one? They don't... They, they, I, you see, I think that they don't understand, but the seed is being sown. 
Fathers, the greatest investment that we can give to our children is giving them our time and our resources. When Jesus called his disciples, he called them to first be with him. And then he could send them out. Before it is time to send out our children, they must be with us. And they must not just be with a shell. They must be with us being present. I end up with this story. There was a certain American football player who was awesome in his time. His name was Kevin Green. And he did so well that after he retired, he was elected into their Hall of Fame. And he was called one of the greatest players. And eventually he was hired as a coach. And while he was a coach, he reproduced himself in several players. And there was one that he particularly reproduced himself in called Clay Matthews. Now, while he was working and he was earning a great salary, his own son was growing. And when his son got to the age of 16, his son grew as big as the father. So everyone said to the son that, man, you can be a great player like your dad. And every evening he would come home and he would meet with his dad. He would say, dad, dad, let me show you my stance. And the father would be like, look, son, I'm tired. I've had a long day. Uh, dad, let me show you by blocking. No, 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 son. I'm tired. I've had a long day. Dad, let me show you. The- look, son, I'm tired. I've had a long day. Finally, one day he said to his father at the dining table, he said, dad, why can't you reproduce yourself in me like you reproduce yourself in clay? And his father said, look, son, let's talk about it later. And then he got to bed that night. Thank God for great mothers. And his wife was upset with him and he said to her, what's the problem? She said, all your life, you have reproduced the greatness you have in several other men. And it has brought these men wealth and fortune. You've reproduced yourself in clay so much that right now he's a celebrity and he's a wealthy man. He said, but every day you give, your, you give those men your best. And when you come home, you have nothing to give your child. The next morning he woke up, went to the office, resigned. Came back home, told his son, I have enough money. I don't need to work. Until you get to the uni and you're playing well, I will be your coach. This is my job. At least he got it before it was too late. We all talk of the mighty men of David. But David so reproduced himself in the mighty men, he forgot to reproduce himself in Absalom, Ammon, and Adonijah. Thank God that towards the end of his life, he could reproduce himself in Solomon. Although that one, he so reproduced himself that... (laughs) The reproduction was just... Fathers, we're good fathers. And we will produce ourselves in our children. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. 
Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.